Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Hey friends, Shauna here, and there's no doubt you've got a ton of money questions. So Clint Haynes, a fellow certified financial planner, is here today to answer your most asked questions, including what he thinks is the number one key to financial success. 
It's setting your goals. Like that's that's the whole key is you need to sit down and know exactly what it is you're saving for and what it is you want to accomplish in your life. And it'll help you kind of design, hey, this is where you should be invested. Uh, but then you have to kind of figure out, okay, well, what are the investments I'm supposed to plug in here uh, once I know how it's supposed to be invested? Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Gaines. It will expand your brain. Have you ever wondered, how do I know if I'm making the right decisions with my finances? Or how can I figure out if I'm saving enough money? Or even, how do I manage paying off my student loans and saving for my future? Yeah, you're so not alone if these money questions and so many more keep you awake at night. As I mentioned, our podcast guest, Clint, is a CFP, founder of Next Gen Wealth, and the creator of the Financial Freedom Blueprint. He's got one simple goal, to help everyone really understand the importance of having a financial plan in place so you can hit your goals ASAP. And on this episode, I'm putting Clint in the hot seat to answer all of your most asked money questions. You know, I think it's interesting every time I talk to somebody who is particularly a CFP or in the financial planning field that is under the age of 50, (laughs) I always like to ask them, how did you get into financial planning? Was this something that you grew up knowing that you wanted to have a career in this? Or did you, like so many of us, just happen to fall into it? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I'm definitely the the latter, no doubt. I I uh, I am a a, a graduate of fire. I had my bachelor's in finance, um, and and somehow uh, this was the late '90s, and I remember watching CNBC at the time and thinking, oh, this kind of looks cool, and <laughs> what's happening on there, and. Uh, then I had a friend that worked for a, uh, big wire house and, uh, he got me on whenever I graduated college. And so, uh, I had no idea what I was getting into. I thought what I was going to be doing, uh, was, uh, what I saw on CNBC, but, uh, little did I know it's, it's a little bit different than that when you start out in the wire house world. So, uh, I, it was a bit of a shocker for me coming into the industry. So I've, I've definitely kind of gone, uh, not full circle, I guess, 180 since, uh, since <laughs> the wirehouse days. <laughs> yeah. And for those that don't know what a wirehouse is, explain. Yeah. So a wirehouse is just, um, you know, basically just a, a big broker, uh, a broker dealer. Or uh, so, you know, for me, I worked at Morgan Stanley. So Morgan Stanley would be a wirehouse, you know, Merrill Lynch or, um, you know, some of these really big Wall Street firms are, are wirehouses. And what happens, and I don't know if it's changed, hopefully it has changed since over the years. But uh, when I started there in 2001, I mean, it was literally, okay, uh, you're hired on, here's these big books you need to study to pass all these exams. And after that, we're going to throw you in this awful three-week training <laughs> class on how to you know, push crazy products that I had no idea what they even were in the first place and try to sell these things. And after that, you get that training, it's uh, up to you to start bringing in clients and good luck. <laughs> it's It's pretty much like... All of the horrible Wall Street movies that you've seen is pretty close to the experiences, at least that I've I've heard of people in a wirehouse. I've not been in that environment, but 
Yeah. I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It definitely is. I, so I spent, um, about, uh, two or three years there. And so, you know, I was 21, 22 years old. I get thrown into this. Uh, they're paying me, you know, just about nothing. If I remember right. And, uh, so I didn't have anybody that had any money at all. Uh, my friends obviously didn't have any money. My parents really didn't have any money. Uh, so I, you know, my best idea was to start cold calling and that's, that's literally <laughs> what I did for two and a half years straight was make, I don't know, a hundred to 150 wow. dials a day. And oh my God, it was, it was so awful. Like I remember sometimes that, that phone headset felt like an anvil some days like oh my gosh i can't pick this thing up again but you probably (laughs) have learned some like very good lessons about rejection right oh yeah absolutely that's i tell everybody that as awful as an experience as it was it was probably the best learning experience i'll ever have because i mean you're just thrown out there and you're calling people and people are hanging up and they're yelling at you so you develop thick skin you think on your feet you learn how to have conversations you learn how to relate to people real quick um and so as as bad as it was it was also probably the best learning experience i've ever had before too and i feel like a lot of what you're talking about the cold calling and kind of that used car salesperson image that we that we bring up in our heads i think that's some of the reason why people just they they are so shy or so scared is probably a better word to work with a financial planner because there's this fear that they're going to come into a room like that and be yelled at about all of the money mistakes they've made or that they don't have enough money saved. And I think there's just this horrible image that has been created. I know a lot of my friends uh, share that even though we're friends, they're they're definitely afraid to talk about money. Have you seen that as well? Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I've, I've definitely seen that. And I think more than anything, I think it's people are just afraid that you're going to try and sell them something. Yes. And that's, and it's, you know, it's certainly, it's, it's still a little bit like that to this day with some companies that who are out there, uh, whom I won't mention, but, uh, it's that perception is definitely still there that we're just salespeople. We're going to try and push you into something you're not comfortable with. And, um, so, so for me, uh, I still realize that because I see sometimes when I introduce myself to somebody and I tell them what I do, like I can, I can kind of see them, you know, uh, you know, tense up a little bit. Uh, and so, and so I really just, every time I meet somebody, I tell them what I do. And then I just start talking about them because I, I have no idea and I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable at all because I'm so not like that at all. And I'm probably the, the worst salesman that's out there uh, <laughs> because I just want people to feel good and to feel comfortable. So uh, whatever I can do to make that happen is, is what I'm going to do. <laughs> Well, you're in good company because that's exactly that's exactly my approach. It's one of the reasons why I started this podcast almost five years ago was just so that people could feel like there was a place that they could talk about money and, and not be judged. And, uh, you know, because you know, like I know that that money is not one size fits all. So what works for you is not going to work for me. And there's this culture, I believe, that has been created that there are these only, you know, five steps or 10 rules or whatever it might be. And those things aren't always the right things. And so we need to have lots of conversations and make people feel comfortable. 
Right. No, you're exactly right. Yeah. Uh, you know, helping people with their finances and coming up with a plan for them isn't about, you know, selling them anything. Really what it comes down to is, uh, you know, what I've learned over the years is before we ever, you know, help, you know, design or come up with uh, or invest in anything for our clients is we got to come up with a plan first. You got to figure out where you're at, what you're trying to accomplish, what it is, what is the goals that you have. And once we actually have a plan in place, then we can kind of plug in these things uh, as necessary because then we know, hey, this is in line with what it is that we're trying to plan for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I always like to ask this question, and I think it's particularly fun when I ask my financial planning friends, but do you remember way back in your childhood, like what your first money lesson was? Do you have any memory about like how you how you learned about money when you were a kid? Yeah, I think I was probably, I don't know, in that 10-ish to 12 years old. I remember I liked money. Like I, I liked <laughs> making money. Um, so I was always thinking of different ways of how I could make money. So I was always you know, trying to mow people's yards or, you know, some here in yes. Kansas City. So it snows here. So I was always trying on school days where we didn't have or off uh, where we were off from school. I was always out knocking on people's doors, seeing if I could shovel their driveway. Uh, so I was always out, uh, you know, interested in making money and, and, and kind of you know, I don't know if it was hustling back in the day, but I don't know. I just like, I enjoyed working and doing these things and the benefit of getting paid for it was even better. <laughs> I like that because, you know, I often think like when we're kids and I was much like you, uh, I was always coming up with like a business idea and it, 10 or 12 years old, I mean, that's ridiculous, more or less. I mean, these days it might be more possible, but, you know, I wasn't going to, you know, open up a shop at, at 10 or 12 years old. But it's amazing how those stories and those um, like little bits in you that were interested in some dimension about money then carry you through. And now you have this career that happens to deal with money as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've never even thought about that before until right now. That maybe I, maybe I always had this entrepreneurial spirit that I never knew I had because I, you know, I've, I've I'm in this industry now and uh, it's very entrepreneurial. And I started my own firm and I've done, uh, you know, other things uh, over the years, but I've never really thought about it. That maybe it just stems from my experience with you know getting out there and mowing yards and wanting to. Uh, you know, earn some money and make some money that that's carried to me to where I am to uh, today. So yeah, that's that's really interesting. <laughs> we had an epiphany <laughs> moment. We didn't even know we were going to make that happen. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, you've created this this really cool course called the Financial Freedom Br Blueprint, and I, I want to dive into that. But before we do, I thought it would be really interesting to take like a, a deep dive into some of what I think and what I, I know you would echo are some of the most asked questions about money and just see if we can kind of like bat these back and forth um, and see if we can help some listeners out, maybe get some pers perspective on some of these questions. So hopefully you're game for that. Oh, yeah, Shanna. That sounds like a uh, sounds like a fun time. So the first one is, and I get this all the time, and I'm sure you do as well, but how do I know if I'm making the right decisions with my money? <laughs> yeah, that is a big question. Uh, and really, uh, you know, for me, it's, and I definitely get that question a lot. So let me preface it with that. 
everybody everybody's different it's the what you have to figure out if you know you're if if you know you're doing the right thing with your money or to figure to find that out you first have to know what the right thing is for you you know what is it you're trying to save for what is it you're trying to accomplish and you know do you want to put a down payment on a house or do you want to try and retire at age 55 or put your kids through college you know we have all of these different goals but before you actually have something on paper that you just have no idea where you're going or if you're saving enough to get there. Yeah. And I think that's so important because it's really easy, I think, at least in my opinion, to overlook the goal part of life, of what you want your life to look like and skip ahead to like, well, I should be buying a house and I should be doing these sorts of things and to kind of get stuck in that whirlwind. But I think we think the goal part is just like elementary, like, well, I don't want to do that. I want to be more advanced, but it actually is, it roots everything else. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I I I think they uh there's been studies on this which are just fascinating to me. Um and I can't remember where it came from, but I know that I have read a few of them that people who actually just write their goals down are yes. I don't know, like 70 or 80% more likely to accomplish them just writing them down on paper, like taking, you know, maybe 5 minutes of your life to do that will put you ahead of 80% of the people out there. And then I think the other one or what went along with that is if you actually just reviewed your goals, you know, once a year, once a month or once every, you know, six months or so that put you like 70% ahead of everybody else who just wrote them down, which then he puts you ahead of like 95% of the people. So it's like, this is the easiest stuff to do. It doesn't take any time at all, but we just take it for granted, which is why nobody really ever does it. <laughs> yeah, which is crazy. I started to do this practice this year and I've done it on and off. I've done it since the summer, like consistently, but every morning I write down five to 10 Uh, goals or like a vision for the day. And I found that just the silly act of doing that, I I look back at like the days prior and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I actually did these things. Like these things actually came to life. And I really feel like there there is some merit to that, that the writing things down, even if you don't do it very often, it's it does something in the brain chemistry that I, of course, can't really explain. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Because I, I remember I do this, I do something very similar to that is, uh, is right, you know, down what it is I'm trying to accomplish for the day. Because I, you know, there are times where my wife will say, well, what'd you do today? Or what'd you get done today? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know. But I was I feel I'm pretty busy all day. But I have no really idea. Accomplished. <laughs> yeah. I know. So you don't even know what you did for the day or if it was productive or not. So I think just actually writing something down, uh, at the very least, you can remember what you accomplished at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. If anything, right? We got (laughs) to savor that. Well, I think kind of along with that question, I hear this one all the time, which is just a different, I guess, variation of it. But how do I manage paying off something like student loans while also saving for other goals? Should I be doing one or the other? Yeah, so this is something uh, that I hear quite often, uh, especially now with just how much student loan debt is out there and something uh, I definitely address uh, within the Financial Freedom Blueprint course. 
but my kind of my philosophy when it comes to, you know, should I save money in my emergency saving, put money in my emergency savings account and get that built up? Or should I pay off this, this debt that I have, these student loans or uh, whatever it might be, uh, higher interest rate debts? Um, so what I tell people, if they have both of these going on uh, and they need to work on both of them, I always recommend, you know, first off, is saving at least one month worth of expenses in a savings account first. Like once you yes. get to that, like then let's start working on both at the same time. So usually I'll say, okay, if you can do $500 a month to that, then let's, after we get one month worth of expenses saved up, now let's focus on paying down some of that debt that you have, but we also need to put uh, more money into the savings side too. So let's just split it up 250 and 250 and kind of go that route um, so we can start knocking down some of that debt. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because, let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals, so you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash ETM for your extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. 
I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Let's get you in the know with some good and not so good consequences to your credit score. Before we get started, let's do a quick refresh on credit score because I feel like it's the one thing where we know we're supposed to pay attention to it, but we always forget what are the rules, what do the numbers mean again, all of that good stuff. So a credit score is this three-digit number attached to you that really determines your credit worthiness, and it is this like total catch-22 where you need credit to get credit and it feels almost like a never-ending trap to a lot of people. The average FICO score is 706, which I find really interesting. Scores range from 300 to 850. So again, the higher the number, the better. And there are five factors that determine your credit score. They're payment history, amounts owed, your length of credit history, new credit, and credit mix. So that's it. Only those five factors make up your score. So if you're trying to raise your credit score, it's a really good idea to work on those first two, your payment history and the amounts owed, since those two account for more than 65% of your credit score. It's crazy. Let's start with some bad consequences. We're going to get the bad out first. Bankruptcy and foreclosure are serious bad news for your score, where you're likely to see a major credit score dip if you happen to land in one of those categories. They can stay on your credit report for up to seven years, and it's not the end of the world. So if you've had a bankruptcy or foreclosure, you don't need to freak out. There are steps you can take to better your credit score, but it's going to be a long process. Another bad consequence, missing three or more loan payments can put you at risk for really a large credit score dip. And just to keep this in perspective, it's not always the case, but I would say nine out of 10 times I see this happening. The higher your credit score, the more bad consequences you have with your credit score if 
you miss a payment or there's bankruptcy, anything like that. It tends to tank more in a bad situation if you have a higher credit score. If you have a more like middle of the road or lower credit score, you're still going to see a big point drop, but it's not going to be quite as like fear-inducing off-the-cliff drop as if you had a 700-plus credit score. Okay, so here are some middle-of-the-road consequences. Let's say you max out your credit card. Again, not a big deal. Happens to all of us from time to time. But you're likely to see a fairly decent drop since, again, the number two credit score factor is the amount you're owed. So in that situation, the best thing you can do is just put any extra cash you can to really dipping down that maxed amount on your credit card. Another middle-of-the-road consequence, the first time you make a late payment, you could see a drop too. So my advice is just make it really easy. Get everything on auto draft so you don't miss a payment. Of course, you got to make sure that you've got enough cash in your bank account to support that. But I did that, oh gosh, maybe like 10 years ago. And it was the best thing ever because I can honestly be a little bit forgetful about when something is due. So it's just really easy for me to just have that stuff deducted from my bank account. Okay. Let's get on to some good news for your credit score. So you pay your bills on time. You are a superstar and your credit score goes up because again, number one factor is just, are you making your payments on time? You have mature accounts. Being mature when it comes to credit score is a really good thing. That means that you've kept your accounts open even when you've paid them off. So I see a lot of people like really anxious just to cancel the credit card, but because your length of credit history is one of those five factors, if you close one of the early accounts that you have opened, it can really impact your credit score. So I'm a fan of just leaving open those credit lines tear up your card, put it away in a folder, whatever you need to do to not use that credit card, but just keep it open. Another thing that is really good news for your credit score is you have what's called a low credit utilization. So that just means that it's best to keep the amount of credit you've used to 30% or less of the maximum available credit, right? So let's say we have a credit card, And the max we can borrow or use on that credit card, I should say, is a thousand bucks. So we want to keep the amount we owe on that credit card to $300 or less to really keep our score jamming. So again, the good news is, look, even if your credit score is not great, maybe you're not happy with it, you can bring it up in a relatively short period of time. I think secured credit cards are like the number one tip and simply just paying off debt and making sure that your payments are on time are going to keep your credit score jumping back up if you're trying to recover. I had a drop in my score after my divorce and worked on it for a couple of years and brought it back up to over 720. It took a little bit of time. It took a little creativity, but it can happen. So why does this matter? Why are we even talking about credit score? Well, the higher the credit score means the lower interest rate you're going to receive on loans, credit card interest, all of that good stuff. So in the end, that just means less cash out of your pocket that you're spending on debt and interest and more money you have to go towards all of your awesome, amazing goals. 
Yes, I think the exact same approach that is kind of, uh, I almost call it like a, you know, teeter totter approach that we're doing, we're doing two things at one time. We're both like growing in the right direction while also taking care of some of that debt. So, but I think that's great because it allows people some room to, to be, of course, flexible and maneuver. And I also tell people, I don't know how you feel about this, but if if the student loans or your other high interest debt, like if it's causing you like depression or anxiety or just really stressful, stressful times that maybe you need to just really focus on that uh, first and, and to get it to a place where you don't feel all of that anxiety. Right. You're right. No, I, I totally agree with you. It's just, you know, it's kind of the, my, what I mentioned is just kind of the general rule of thumb, but yeah, I, it, I see that a lot where this debt is just totally stressing people out and they're worried about, and they're thinking about it. They lose sleep at night. Uh, you know, if that's the case, then yeah, we, you really want to focus more on paying that off. And, and it's, it's, that's a really good thing to pay off that debt. You have to think of it, uh, you know, not only are you paying down your debt, but if it's, you know, six or 7% interest rate or a credit card at 19 or 20%, like you're actually earning that much money because you're not having to pay somebody else that anymore. So you're not going to find a guaranteed return like that really anywhere right now. (laughs) (laughs) I wish. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I would sign up in a second. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. Well, also another question is, I thought this one is really interesting. What are some of the common like blind spots with money that people have that they need to be aware of that maybe they don't even focus on? Yeah, I mean that's a that's a great question because I think most people, you know, not most people, a lot of people know enough to be dangerous when it comes <laughs> to their finances. Like they know, you know, they know, hey, I need to, you know, put some money away in a savings account. I probably need to pay off these debts. Um, but, you know, once the and save for retirement and, you know, maybe have some insurance, but uh, you know, after that, it really comes down to, well, I you just don't know what you don't know. Um, so, so blind spots that, that I kind of see is, uh, you know, like a big one that I see really often is, you know, most people have, uh, you know, renter's insurance, auto insurance, homeowner's insurance, and they just stick with the same company, you know, yes. forever and never review it or look at their uh, deductibles that they have or, uh, you know, get, um, get it out there and get, uh, get it priced to see if there's anything they can save money. Like that one is, I would say 90 plus percent, 95%, you know, maybe more than that of clients that we have come through the door, we can save them money by, uh, repricing their insurance or changing their deductibles. And it's super easy to do. And we usually, we can save them a few hundred dollars a year. Um, wow. yeah. And that's just something that people, they know they need to have it. And they probably even have thought, man, I wonder if I could save any money on this, but I've just never gotten around to actually doing it. Yeah. And that's such a good point because I often talk about that you can find money in your bank account, not meaning that money's going to magically appear, but just by doing simple things like you just mentioned or having somebody help you figure that out. If you could find an extra couple hundred bucks a year or a month, oh my gosh, who knows? that's money that you could just reroute towards other things that you want to do. I mean, why would you pay more if you didn't have to? (laughs) Right, right. No, I, I totally agree. And it's one of those easy things where it's not, 
it's not that hard to to switch. It's it's actually a pretty easy process, and um, it's the same way. Like another really easy one that I run across. I mean, I think this is you know same almost a hundred percent of the time with clients is you know where their savings account is. Most of the time, their savings yes. account is just at their <laughs> you know brick and mortar bank that's paying them you know I don't know almost zero, but like point zero five percent. It's like we can take ten minutes, go online, open up an online savings account, and make like. 40 times the return in 10 minutes. It's like, it's, it's so easy and such a no brainer, but somehow like the majority of people just haven't ever heard of this before. And it's just amazing to me. But once you, you know, once you show them how and you walk them through it and it's, you know, it's amazing. (laughs) The light in their eyes and they're opened up to see, oh my gosh, I had no idea this world was out there. (laughs) What do you think it is about human nature where we just stay stuck and like we don't think about, you know, changing companies or looking for a better price? Like, what do you think it is? Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I think it's, it's definitely way deeper than, than we'll get into for sure. <laughs> but, uh, you know, just people's habits and routines, uh, and change in general is just hard. Like change, yes. you talk about, um, just anything, you know, some people never want things to change and it's just hard. And anybody, I mean, I don't want things, some things to change in my life either, even though it's probably for the better, uh, but you, you just so I don't know why we feel like that. Uh, I guess it's just probably a comfort level that we have. But it, yeah, it is amazing to see. Hey, you know, we could save you, you know, especially with investments. Sometimes, hey, we could save you tens of thousands of dollars a year if we make these changes. And people still are like, eh, I think I'm okay where I'm at right now. And it's uh, and, <laughs> what? And I, <laughs> yeah, I know. And I and I and I don't know uh, exactly how to. Um, you know, reinforce that or get people to think it, think about it differently. Um, but, you know, I, I guess all I can think of is this, you know, change is, is, is really hard when you've been doing the same thing for a long time. That's such a good point. And of course, yes, it's, it's longer than we have time to podcast, but <laughs> I always think it's fascinating to try and explore that. And so one last question about this, uh, you kind of uh, teased it a little bit in your answer, but another common question, which I'm sure you get all the time is, how do I know if I'm invested in the right things or in the right way? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And, and it's, it's, it's not easy. Well, yeah, it's not easy, but it's not real hard either. It just, again, it takes a little bit of time um, to figure out if you're invested where you, where you should be. And there's, you know, there's a number of different websites out there and calculators who can kind of help you, you know, you answer a questionnaire and they'll help you kind of design, Hey, this is where you should be invested. Uh, but then you have to kind of figure out, okay, well, what are the investments I'm supposed to plug in here? Uh, once I know how it's supposed to be invested, uh, and then, and then you had to figure out, you know, well, how, where do I go and get these investments? But, you know, I think just to kind of, you know, look at the fundamentals of investing uh, and really what we've learned over the years is you know, it used to be in the you know, 80s and 90s. We had these mutual funds and we were looking for the hot managers and who had the most <laughs> you know, star ratings. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's still out there today. But, uh, you know, a number of studies and Vanguard's done them and others have done them. Like really, the whole key to investing is the less you can pay somebody else, 
the more you're going to make. Uh, that's it. Like if you can find low fees, that's the key because those fees add up to tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars over time. And as opposed to them going into somebody else's pocket, you keep them in your own pocket. Yeah, I like that game. Keep it in my own pocket. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to jump in and talk a little bit about your course, the Financial Freedom Blueprint. And I'm curious, financial freedom is this word or two words that a lot of us really are resonating with. Like, what does financial freedom mean to you? Uh, financial freedom means to me that I I can do whatever I want without having to worry about an income coming in uh, mm, or at least yeah. choose when I want to work. That's what financial freedom means to me. And it means different things to different people. You know, for, for some people it might be meaning I don't ever want to work or have to work again in my life. It could be, you know, uh, financial freedom for some people is being able to uh, retire and do absolutely nothing, uh, you know, by age 45, you know, kind of the, the, the fire movement that's out there. Uh, for others, it might look a little bit more uh, like retirement at, you know, age 65. But, you know, for me personally, it's, you know, not ha having the choice of when I want to be able to work. Yeah, I like that word choice. I think it's a word I resonate a lot with is just being able to have options of of what you want to do in life and when you want to do it. And uh, I love that you can, you know, you can build your life so that you do have options. So tell me a little bit, like, what's in this course? What are you teaching? What's the information that that someone would walk away from? Yeah, sure. Uh, be before I get to that, I'll, I'll kind of just maybe give you the background of it and uh, yeah. where I thought of it or where it kind of came from and, and kind of the why behind the Financial Freedom Blueprint course. Um, so, you know, as we kind of talked about earlier, I've been in the industry for, I guess, since 2001 um, and had been with uh, two, three firms since I went out and started my own uh, and kind of learned over the years, probably, in, in, you know, eventually came to this epiphany in 2011, 2012. That you know, really all of these firms, these financial planning firms, financial services firms, were all about the same. Like they all kind of did the same thing. They all wanted people. They all wanted the same people to work with. People that had a bunch of money or were about ready to get a bunch of money, who were going to be retiring, and you know, most likely baby boomers for the most part. And once you once they had a bunch of money, you know, then yeah, then we can help you at that point. And I was in my you know early 30s and I thought, well, I know a lot of people who are around my age who may not have all the money in the world right now, but, you know, they're they're in successful careers. They're going to be great clients someday, but, you know, they don't need a whole lot of help with their investments, but they have a whole lot of other things in their financial life that they need help with. And I thought, that seems like the whole industry is kind of backwards. It seems like yes. as opposed to helping them when they have a bunch of money why don't we help them when they don't have a whole lot of money, but we can get them there even quicker along the way through good financial planning. And I so, love it. Yeah, thanks. And uh, so that's where I, I started NextGen Wealth, the firm uh, that uh, about five years ago that I'm with right now. Um, and uh, shortly after that, uh, started putting together the Financial Freedom Blueprint uh, really is just a, a, our financial planning process of how we work with our clients. Um, extremely comprehensive. 
you know, not just, you know, certainly it covers uh, the investments and helping out with that, but, you know, looking at cash flow and what's coming in, what's going out, where should it be going, how much should you be saving, you know, all the way to, you know, uh, insurance and saving money there to savings accounts, how you can make more money, uh, estate planning, taxes. I mean, there's 25 different sections within the financial freedom blueprint. Um, and then probably, you know, two or three years ago, I thought, well, you know, I, I, we do this for our clients. I'd love to be able to put together some kind of a course where anybody could do this just because there's so many DIYers out there now, right, yeah. um, especially, for, you know, for folks in their 20s and 30s who may not, you know, probably don't even need to work with anybody and, and let alone pay somebody uh, to work with them. A lot of these things they can do to themselves. And so I thought, you know, uh, and so this was on my to-do list for probably <laughs> two or three years because I, I knew it was going to be quite the undertaking. Um, and so, yeah, uh, got it put together and uh, really just kind of launched it. Uh, this year and, and trying to get it out to as many people. Um, and, and truly, it's, it's the exact same planning process that we use uh, with our clients, but designed uh, for the person who wants to do it themselves. Yeah. And it's it's such a great way for, like you said, for someone who feels like they need a little TLC on their money, but doesn't maybe necessarily need to hire a planner or doesn't want to spend a huge amount of money, but really wants to feel like they've got a grasp or they're learning some more uh, about their finances. I think that's like a great sweet spot that so many people fall into. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Like the, the people that, uh, you know, sign up to go through the course, you know, I, I'm not expecting them ever to become clients of mine. And I, I, I don't want them to be like, I, this course is designed so they can do it themselves. And that's why that was the, that's the whole reason behind it. So it's that, you know, people will ask me, do, do you think it's cannibalizing your business? And I'm like, no, I mean, these people, the individual, the people who are going through this course are people who kind of enjoy doing it themselves. Um, they have the time, they don't really, you know, maybe at this point in life, it's not complicated enough to where they even need somebody else. So, uh, no, I, I, I think the the reason I designed it was, yeah, to help those folks who who kind of enjoy it and, and have the time to do it. And just there's a ton of noise out there right now. And they can go to one place to where they can actually create their own personalized financial plan. Ooh, I like that word noise. There is a lot of noise out there. Well, I would love for you to tell us as we wrap up, what's maybe one tip that we can take away as we create our own journey towards financial freedom? Maybe it's something in quieting down the noise or or figuring out how we decipher like what is our own version of financial freedom. Do you have any like one tip or takeaway for the listeners? Yeah, I think I and mean, we kind of hit on this already. Um, you know, the, the, there's a ton of stuff, you know, a ton of tips in the course, but really the the whole foundation of financial planning is what we talked about at the beginning and it's setting your goals like that's that's the whole key is you need to sit down and know exactly what it is you're saving for and what it is you want to accomplish in your life and you know take it a step farther and just don't put down what your financial goals are either but also your uh, personal and professional goals that you want to accomplish like just take you know block 30 minutes on your calendar and just write these things down and that's your foundation like that is the one key tip and i know it sounds like oh yeah whatever that's you know what's that going to do for me but i mean the the data is there the science is there like just writing these things down and knowing what it is you're trying to accomplish, you know, put you ahead of 80, 90% of the people that are out there. 
Yeah, I mean, you can't argue with that statistic. That is a pretty amazing stat. I mean, it's even worth just saying, hey, I'm just going to give it a try. Well, Clint, this has been so, so fantastic. I'd love for you to tell the listeners where they can go to connect with you. And if they're interested in learning more about the Financial Freedom Blueprint, where they can find that. Yeah, absolutely. So I, uh, I'm i on Facebook. You can look up the Next Gen Wealth on Facebook or I'm on Twitter, Clint underscore Next Gen. Um, and, you know, I'm always happy to, my email address, clint.haynes, H-A-Y-N-E-S at nextgen-wealth.com. You can always shoot me an email if you have questions. Uh, and I would assume you'll be putting up a link to the uh, Financial Freedom Blueprint course kind of sales page um, on, on, on the site. If not, feel free to reach out to me and I can get that to you. Uh, but uh, that'll explain really everything, the course curric- curriculum, everything that's involved in the course, uh, if it makes sense for you. So I really try to address, you know, are these the questions that you maybe have been asking yourself? Uh, do you, is this the type of person you are? Do you fall in this category? To really narrow it down so you know, okay, this does make sense for me because it's it's not going to make sense for everybody. And I don't want it to somebody to purchase it if it doesn't make sense for them. Um, and, and as far as uh, cost goes, uh, we actually uh, at uh, our financial planning firm, the cost to put this together for our clients is a one-time upfront fee of uh, basically twenty-five hundred dollars. Uh, and so, kind of tested out what we wanted to uh, charge with the course that we created, uh, and came up with uh, three hundred ninety-seven dollars uh, one-time upfront fee, or you can pay over a six-month time frame. Uh, I think that comes to around $66 a month over six months. Uh, but for your listeners, uh, the next seven days that this goes, uh, the, after it goes live, we do have a coupon code for $200 off, uh, making it $197 a one-time purchase. Or if you want to pay uh, monthly, it would just be $33 bucks a month for that. Um, so yeah, one one heck of a deal. And uh, obviously, you know, uh, that is for comp- compliance wouldn't like this, so I can't promise that you would make up the cost of the course. Uh, but I, I, but I will tell you, uh, we typically make up the course, uh, the cost of uh, the twenty five hundred dollar course in relatively no time. Uh, so I have uh, quite a bit of faith that you'll make up the cost of the one hundred ninety seven dollar course uh, pretty quickly as well. There were so many good gems in Clint's answers. I always love having another CFP on the podcast because they get to step up and be expert. And then it's fun just to hear, I think, these different perspectives to see how people uh, process differently, how different experts think about these questions. So hopefully you've got a few of your like burning money questions answered. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. If you love what you heard, head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review for the podcast. It is seriously one of the best ways to show some love. It allows us to bring millennial money to even more listeners. And I'll see you back here in a few days for a fresh new episode.